Hello and welcome to The Connected Mindset. I'm your host, Greg Tomchik, and each week we bring you the stories and strategies to help connect you to your wildest dreams. Today's episode is presented by Valor Cybersecurity. Are you concerned about what a cyber attack could do to your business or your brand? For a limited time, Valor Cybersecurity is offering a free assessment to help you address just that. By going to ismysitesafe.com, you can schedule your free assessment today. That's ismysitesafe.com. I'm extremely excited about today's guest. Adam Cassix is a transformation expert that's gonna help us all connect to the mindsets that we can use to continue to transform and live a more authentic life on the path forward. So without further ado, let's dive in. Over the course of my life and career, I've discovered the power of consciously investing in mindset and personal development. It has been a true game changer for me in my personal and professional life. And I'm extremely excited that you decided to join us today to take one step forward in your own life. Most of my breakthroughs have come from one-on-one conversations. We created this show to bring you those unfiltered conversations each and every week. Adam, welcome to the show, brother. How are we doing? So clean, man. I am doing phenomenal, Greg. How are you? Doing wonderful. Pleasure to have you on. Uh, looking forward to diving in here. A lot of stuff to unpack, a lot of stuff yeah. to uh, dive into. We had some conversations leading up to this. Um, you know, really related on a, a lot of different levels, but looking forward to you know, di- diving into some of those commonalities, some of the differences. Those are the things that really bring us together at the end of the day. Um, you know, one of the things I want to start us off with is, is this battle I think we're all going through you know, between the wolf and the warrior. Um, fear versus faith. You know, we all kind of go through these ups and downs and get pulled different directions. Um, Just want to kind of talk through, you know, some of the opportunities, some of the experiences you've had, you know, between those two kind of figures in our own lives and kind of how they, you know, made a mark on you. Awesome. I'm ready to go. Excellent. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about, you know, your faith journey has been one, you know, that's kind of, you know, went, went through bobs and weaves. Um, I think we've all kind of been there and, you know, we all kind of went through, like we talked about before the show, you know, we're all recovering from, you know, something, um, you know, how has fear kind of showed up in your life and how has faith helped you kind of push that fear, you know, aside, um, as you've been able to persevere and, you know, become the Adam you are today. You know, the, the, the way that I've been affected by fear caught me off guard and the way that it showed up, I, w- I didn't really realize it was fear because I grew up with charisma and being charismatic, you know, the, the extrovert and, and having fun and kind of loose and wild and goofy and not scared to, you know, be obnoxious and ask anybody from my past. They'll, they'll affirm that. I was conditioned in such a way. And when I say conditioned, I want people to understand we're all being conditioned. We've all been conditioned. The question is, is it intentional or 
did we just let it happen to us? And then we think that that's just who we are. Nobody is outside the realm of having been conditioned. And you can call it brainwashing on the negative. That has a negative connotation. But a lot of times this is just our upbringing. This is how we're, we're, we're conditioned by the forces in our life that we're born into, the influences that are around us. I was born as very much this starry-eyed dreamer. Like that was in my nature. But I was also introduced into this world through blue collar, head down, nose to the grindstone, Detroit. And my parents are both that way. Hard workers did whatever it took to provide and get us into a better situation from Detroit, out of Detroit, into the suburbs. So there was a better launching pad for my sister and myself to go from, right? The problem that I didn't notice until later is that it, between my internal values and my external atmosphere, it created this weird tug of war that I didn't really know was going on. So when I get out into my first career as a, as a military nurse and a nurse in the army, and then I went civilian, it was like, I'm, I'm up against these resistive forces of the normal system that is the nine to five or whatever corporate system you might be in the world system. And there's certain ways they want you to behave in those environments and certain ways they want you to conform. And that was very difficult for me. And so I just thought they were coming against me and how I worked. And so I resisted a lot of it. And to answer the question about with the way fear came in was simply this. After so many years of that, I became gun shy of my own instincts. It created a tremendous, a tremendous bottleneck in, in the expression of who I was. And that's why I've built my brand around the, the uniqueness of sometimes an overplayed word today, but authenticity, the uniqueness of who we are in our soul when we're living unencumbered. And, and a lot of people these days are saying like in our flow, right? And that took a long, long time. And even as, as a person of faith, I still, I struggled with that for 10 to 15 years after starting to walk my own personal faith with God. And so coming to that realization is literally the, the, the impetus behind the foundation of revolutionary freedom. And once I realized that was the case, I started realizing, okay, these people aren't against me. This is a different model, whatever they're doing over there. And I really just don't belong in it. And for me, that was particularly the nine to five regular job world or having an authority over me where I wasn't the one with the autonomy making the decisions as a leader. But I also wasn't ready. And that's another topic I'm sure we'll get into. Heck yeah. No, I think, you know, one of those commonalities, you know, revolutionary freedom, I think that's letting those things, you know, play out that your, your subconscious and, you know, your identity is telling you that you need to let loose in order to kind of get it out. I think that's where a lot of the world's depression comes from. We're just pushing all that down. And, you know, obviously it comes back and hits us even harder, but, you know, those identities that we want to see ourselves fulfill are not shown in our outside environment. So it's, it's that tug of war you're talking about where it's, you know, your outside world's telling you to do one thing, but your inside world's saying, you know, that's not what I want to do, you know, and, and they're, they're constantly fighting each other. So it's, it's how do we get out of that constant fight? And most of the time I see people around me, you know, it's hard to win that, that fight without, you know, some type of guiding light or guiding framework um, to be able to make those type of decisions. So I think that's, that's key for the audience. Um, definitely key for me, but I think it all comes back to that identity word that, you know, you used it. Um, you know, how important has identity been to you 
you know, as you went from military to trauma nurse, and we're going to dive into the Grant Cardone story here shortly, because I think that's pretty cool to dive into. Did and I then, tell you about that? How do you know about that? It was in your yeah, email signature. Oh, it's in the signature as a bullet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, you yeah. name drop when you can, right? <laughs> <laughs> Without being too tacky. Yeah, definitely. No, I love it. Um, but let's talk a little bit about identity, because I think you know, your, your identity is transformed. And it's that transformational freedom that you know, you're, you're now helping people adopt through your seven pillars. And we'll you know, dive into those pillars, but you know, how important has recognizing your identity and then kind of consciously evolving that identity um, been for you? Life and death. You know, sometimes I, I'm a hyperbolizer by nature. I like to add flavor to my stories. You can ask my wife, she'll correct the details in front of friends, but I like to add a little extra color. But with that, it's I'm not kidding. I, I'm not being in jest. I'm not being lighthearted or definitely not lighthearted. It's a little heavy, but it was a life and death proposition for me. And, it, you know, I there was a transformation. But the truth is what I really did was get back to who I was supposed to be. My intended design, as I like to think about it, the, the reason that I was created. And it's like the world just in general, good people around us with good intentions or bad people with bad, it doesn't matter. It all mixes in into the world to naturally try to beat that out of us. We've all heard that, you know, when we're six years old, we're all artists and astronauts and professional athletes. But by the time we're 13, we're usually so scared we won't even talk to a girl at school for the, for the boys in the, in the room, you know? It's like I had to get back to where I was because I started ch getting trying to be conformed and, and kind of like beat or, or shaped into this thing that they, the world wanted me to be. And that's what I mean. At first I responded toxically because I fought back against the people in front of me, the managers, the supervisors in the, in the army. And that caused a lot of heartache, things that I hopefully can help people avoid today with some of this message, right? Like that's the idea. But in order to get there, the, the very first step that we have to do is understand why we perceive things the way we do. Why is our worldview the way it is? Why, when we see a headline, do we have the visceral response that we have in and of ourselves? We all have one and, and there's shades on a spectrum. So why does that happen? That's the stuff that we're made of. There's something inside that, that bothers us. There's something inside that we're passionate for. And most of the time that doesn't come out in our everyday life. Because we got to keep the books at work. We got to make sales calls. We got to do whatever we're doing. But to, to understand why we do that, and then I help people with their awareness around that topic to begin understanding this conditioning, because we have to find out the root of the issue before we can bring on a positive solution or a direction to go. Yeah, I like to say it's, it's kind of the, the reactive care. It's the, uh, the sick care, you know, you commonly hear that in the healthcare space. I have a lot of friends in the healthcare space and, you know, it's that, that proactive ability to address it before it happens yeah. and, and pick up where other people left off as opposed to making the, you know, the same mistakes. I think until we, it's like putting your hand on the stove until you get that burn, it's yeah. hard to experience it. But I think that color that you bring to the conversation helps people feel that 
that you know the the deep heartedness as opposed to it just being very surface level where it's like you need to do these 10 things to live your best life yeah um so like really communicating those experiences through that color that you have the unique ability to to bring to the conversation helps people feel it and i think we have to feel things before we can take action on it just by the way of, of our nature for, for yeah. most of us yeah we're um, built as as emotional beings mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, but going back to it, it gets depressed because, you know, as kids, we're feeling everything. And then 13, you know, people are like, you need to come to school. You need to sit down. You need to raise your hand to ask, you know, ask for help. And it's kind of like, it becomes so structured. You know, how do we, and I think a lot of people struggle with that in their twenties and their thirties, you know, maybe in their forties and then it just becomes the norm. Yep. So like, how do you get people out of that rut? You know, what have you found that works to just, you know, shock people through the rut um, that that they build that it's a muscle, right? It's a muscle we're building in our in our brains and our souls at the end of the day. So the so we're clear what the the rut that they're in is what again? Just real simply for me. Yeah, the rut of just you, you, that that being conforming. getting shaped by yeah, exactly. the the, yeah. the conforming process. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's really important, and when I say I think. Sometimes I'll speak in absolutes because I know a principle is true. Treat people around you well. That's a good idea. And I'll, I'll give it as a directive. When I say I think, I really am leaning on the idea that for most of us, this is something that we need to consider. And that is, what are we trying to do with our life, right? So to go all the way to the end, like the, the legendary Stephen Covey taught us and reminded us to do about beginning with the end in mind. In, in the seven pillars, I talk about the three keys to eternal success. And one of them I call forever focus. And to have a forever focus to me means I've died in this body. I've gone to the next life where I believe I'm going. It's my faith. And I, I go home and now I'm, I'm with God in eternity, you know, playing sand volleyball with jeans and no shirt, high-fiving on the beach, you know, and, and praising God, like that is to me, this is just the first life. There's a second to come and it's the one that's permanent that never ends. And so because of that, what do I want? It might seem far and it is, but it's not because it could happen at any moment. None of us have tomorrow promised or even the next minute, but what do I want that to look like? And when I think about that, I think, well, I, I want, there's certain things that I want to do here for myself. And so because of that, for me, conforming doesn't fit into the picture. I think there's a certain aspect where some people can buy into being conformed or, or playing a part of a system because they belong there. They have gifts of being the intrapreneur, mm-hmm. someone who works for a place or, or does whatever. They're, they're very much servant-minded. This is a gift, by the way, that I struggle to even resemble half the time. These people that are, are out there to serve another's mission. And that's fine. So I don't think all of us need to break away the chains of conformity and, and, you know, be the, be the wild ones out there. So, but when we realize who we are and gain the awareness of that, then we can begin sharpening the filter of when something comes our way, does that fit who I am? You know, like a couple of years ago, for example, someone came to me with a really phenomenal, what appeared to be an opportunity in a startup and it was in crypto and, and I don't know what they're doing these days. Cause I didn't stay, 
But my whole thing for months and months was I'm moving into my own realm. And for me to do something like that, it's real slim. I'd need, I'd need the autonomy that you have as the founder and the owner. Because, because, but that's going to take, and I don't expect you to have that for me right away because that's going to take a tremendous amount of trust and us investing in each other for you to learn that I deserve that in this company. And so I almost painted a picture, which was impossible for him to to, to accept. And it kind of led that way. And he understood who I was at that moment. And I wasn't going to go into somewhere. Like I would never join the military again, unless like an angel of the Lord visited me in the middle of the night with a ray of light shining down on my bed. You need to go back in the military because I don't, that is not the structure that I belong in. It crushes my gifts. It's frustrating for the people who have to lead me and nobody's really winning. And then everybody's attitude is worse. So, you know, it has to really come down to like figuring out, yeah, what am I made of inside purely and honestly, not what am I made of that I could tolerate for a paycheck? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, lot of power there. You know, how do you think people balance? And I, I think we've all kind of been through this, whether we recognize it or not, between serving others and, and, and doing that internal self-discovery. I know it's a balance and, you know, I'm a big believer that when you serve others, you know, most of the time you get that fulfillment. And I think Zig Ziglar said it where it's like, you know, he was always trying to do everything for himself and he didn't get what he wanted until he was helping others get what they want. You know, so how has that, you know, balance kind of been a light bulb in your life on, you know, I want to go serve everybody, but at the same time that internal, you know, bring out to the world on who Adam is and what he wants to bring to the world has to shine through as well. You ever been to a restaurant and the server said the right words and they smiled the right smile about be my pleasure to serve you, but you could feel the energy was not congruent with their, with their words. Yeah. You can't serve someone well as designed as you should be with, especially from your gifts, unless you already are clear on who you are because otherwise you're serving them through a facade. To me, it's as simple as that. Now, does that mean that I can't do a job as a server for a little while to provide for my family? No, it doesn't. But if you have a fake attitude in there, it still washes to the same because we feel it on the other side. And if just to, that was a simple and clear example, but just to say on a daily basis in work, you know, my son has a successful lawn care business. He's, he's had it for, I think he's going on six years and he's 20 and he's got close to a hundred clients. And a lot of these things that I've, I've shown him about authenticity in your energy with your clients to let them feel you. And it's your responsibility to maintain that good attitude. And you're not, when, when we are coming out of the, the natural design for who we're meant to be, we can't help but be enthusiastic there because we are where we belong. We're being congruent with the intention of our soul. So in other words, in short, to the degree that you're not congruent in being authentic, expressing yourself out of your gifts, out of your, your, your glory, essentially, that's the degree that you're going to actually call, bring someone else a disservice to what you're giving them. 
and nobody wants that. I mean, we can talk about the, the, the social media fake sort of put on all day long and we don't need to, but that's like kind of an extreme negative example of it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's why, you know, when I got out of baseball, I was on, you know, that discovery mission of who the heck is Greg outside of baseball. And, you know, I tried to make things tangible in my own life and then talk to them about it with people around me that were either still in baseball or after it, who are, who are still, you know, four years out trying to figure out who they were. <laughs> um, so we, we wrote the book Growing Into You for that social media aspect because that was the easy button. It was find an influencer on social media or find somebody and just go, you know, model after them. And then it's this, it's this empty jar of just chasing what they're doing without kind of bringing out you know, who you are at the end of the day. Uh, and you know, and you know, that has value. Uh, emulation has value. And for a long time, I did that with my mentors because I was trying to figure that out too. I, I was, I was raised and then my work environment furthered the conditioning for me to be an employee straight up. Nothing inside my soul was created to be that way. And that caused a lot of friction. But with that being said, you know, when you, oh my gosh, I totally lost my train of thought. Condition. Oh, the mentors and emulation. Yep. So they were like the transition point for me to learn, okay, this is the template. You don't need to, to exactly behave the way that that person's doing or that marketer's doing if you're a marketer, because it might not be your, excuse me, it might not be your style. And there's a handful of people that I don't follow anymore, even though I appreciate their content and I'll use it for me, but it's not me. And like, for example, being aggressive, really aggressive in marketing, and I'm going to drive a line right through the center and, and, and I want to create all this polarization. I want you to hate me or I want you to love me. I'm not really interested in that, but I've been also mentored by people that are like that. So when you find what fits for you, it's good to emulate the template. Okay, here's the template. Uh, this person, they're, they're kind to people. Well, I don't need to smile and shake their hand and hug and kiss the baby like he does. I'm going to be kind to them in my own way. I'm going to be gentle. I'll be, you know, it's that sort of way. And then after a while, for those of us who were conditioned on that, on that very much conforming style, over time, practicing that, you find out who you are, what fits for you, what feels good, what's natural, and that you don't have to force. And that's like that's a huge part of my coaching in my speaking is the just the fact that I help people raise their awareness to themselves because I think most of us lack it in a natural state. Yeah, we're 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 numbing the feeling because that's what feels right because it's 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 a messy journey to let those feelings come through, as we all know. Well, well right uh, now, here's an example. And, and everybody's in their own computer or their own devices. Anybody watching or anybody will catch this later. Right now, I'm going to look at that person in their eyes. Who are you? What do you want most out of life? What do you want said when you're all done? Like you could say legacy. I don't need, we don't need to go that big. We don't need, you know, some people think legacy like Rockefeller or McDonald's, Walmart. Like it doesn't need to be like that. It's what do you want to leave behind? And if we're muddy on those answers, we just have some work to do. And that's also a hint, an inclination toward exactly why we're dealing with frustration, discontentment, 
in being incongruent with the life we're actually supposed to be living that would bring us all the fulfillment and peace we could ever imagine. doesn't mean all the worries are gone and all the things are done, but man, you get strong, you get resilient. We can handle this. Okay. And uh, yeah, that, that's the beginning of that path. Man, that's powerful, Adam. I love it. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about the seven pillars. Let's do let's it. Give, uh, give everybody tuning in just like a little bit of, of that journey that you take people on and, and give them a taste of, uh, of the power there, you know, of that transformational you know, process that you've built out. You know, this came out of a long, long journey. <laughs> Once upon a time, in all realness, the journey began with a spark at when I was 14 years old, witnessing my mom coming home from a job that she might not have hated the job, but I can assure you it wasn't necessarily where she belonged and it was heavy on her. And we had a short conversation of mom, if you're so, if this is, if this sucks, if this is so bad, if you're unhappy, why don't you change it? I'm 14. You know, the hair's flicking out of my face because I'm skateboarding with my friends talking this nonsense about adult life. And she looks at me and I just remember, man, huh? one day you'll grow up, you'll see. And that was pretty much the answer. My mom and dad are pretty hardcore raised on the streets of Detroit, man. Like they're, they're, they're scrappy. And she let me know that this is kind of the way it is. And I said, I'll never do something in my life that I hate or, or makes me unhappy. And it was like a voodoo curse, right? Because for the next 15, 20 years, that's all I did. <laughs> and I laugh only because I was able to come out of it. I was able to figure some things out. And in that, pro you know, again, you, you know, some of the things about, I, I fell into IV drug abuse as a nurse, abusing pills. And that led into shooting up and we're talking the morphines and all the things. And that led to divorce and the destruction of my family. My wife and I were married when we were 22 and 20. We were divorced before we were 30. And uh, that led to the awakening of my life. We'll just put it that way, right? And, and down the road, I learned a whole bunch of things, found coaches and mentors that, that cared about me and helped me become who I was supposed to be. And then my wife and I, we ended up, same woman, we ended up getting remarried. I call her my two-time wife. And from there, there was a second enlistment in the army where I, where I went to Afghanistan combat tour and came home and discovered at 33 years old, what a panic attack was for the first time. And that happened in public and it was really freaky. And so that was a long uh, year's journey, years long journey of even getting a grasp what PTSD was because I didn't like, this was 2012 when that first one happened. Over time, a lot of coaches, a lot of therapy, a lot of reading. Seven pillars are born from, I just, I, I reverse engineered my journey from 14 years old. And uh, that's what the book is being constructed about. That's what these pillars are for. And if there's someone who is a faith-driven, family-oriented type of person who's struggling with that discontentment, the discontentment of not being where they want to be in life, they're driving home maybe in the dark, in the winter or any other time you're when you're like, is this all there is? It's that windshield time looking at the traffic in the zone you're zoned out. It's like, is this all there is? Have I, is this it? Like I was making 85 grand a year as a nurse walking down the hallways on midnights thinking to myself, that 55 year old dude there that's overweight, gray hair, eating a 
you know, a Yoo-Hoo or eating a, a honey bun in the middle of the night for lunch. Is that my life? Oh my God, I'd rather be dead. Lord, save me. For, like literally those are the thoughts that were going through my mind. It doesn't need to be that dramatic for everybody, but I help that person end that discontentment. I help them squash that, in, that, that frustration, the deep seated stuff by getting in touch with their authenticity through their own awareness increase. And that's the, that's the premise of the seven pillars. There's, there's these different topics. There's a bunch of things inside of each of them, but it's all designed to help us. You know, Pablo Picasso said all creation. Uh, he, oh my gosh, I'm doing it on the spot now. So it's a, he said creation is first of all, there is no creation without first destruction. Every act of creation is first an act of destruction. That's what he said. And so we have to go through and unlearn a whole bunch of things before we even have a chance to build ourselves into who we really should be. And again, I don't think this needs to take a long time. I think this can happen in a matter of months or, or it could take a, I mean, transforming transformation, microevolution of ourselves growing it should be a lifelong process, but getting to where we can fly on an everyday basis, full of the freedom and the vigor that we want to have. I mean, this is only my dude. I've only had one cup of coffee. That was at six 30 this morning. This is only a half a cup. Now this isn't caffeine or substances doing this too much. I do like my caffeine, <laughs> but that's, that's what the seven pillars are all about. Yeah. It's all, all natural. And, and that, that comes from, I think energy and awareness. Um, but you know, the question I continue to ask myself, and I have conversations around this all the time is, do we need the disruption to realize the possibility? I'll tell you, man, people like me do. I, I wish it wasn't the case. It'd be beautiful if, if we didn't need our life rocked in a negative way or detrimental way, but there's, there's about half the population out there. If we're looking at personality temperaments, I've, I've coached professionally on this, made a handful of money teaching temperament and, and how we're built as personality types. And this isn't to categorize someone as this or that we have certain traits that we're all, that we all have that many of us share. There's hand, there's all these different models of personality temperaments and Enneagram models and all these things, right? I taught Robert Rome's disc system. And uh, what I forgot the, the full blown name of it, but there's a handful of these systems. And when we understand how we're built, how we're naturally wired, and then we can begin working with that, it makes a tremendous difference. It makes it a lot easier. But to get to the point of making a life changing decision, there's one thing that comes down to all of it. And I'm teaching my son this right now at 20 years old. He's got a couple, he's 20, he's going through 20 year old things, girls and his business. And what does he want to do later? And he's looking at his friends around him and it's easy to feel better about himself because he's doing better than his average friends. And like, that's not your measure, brother. That's not your measure. So that one thing is this, whether or not you can make a decision because it's a bright new day and you're just going to go out and do it, or you need a wake up call and heaven forbid, a lot of people, I have a friend who's 65 years old, who's doing things radically different since June 13th, I believe it was when he had a heart attack that should have killed him. The doctors told him, and he's doing things radically different. Hopefully cancer, heart attacks, rock bottom drugs, losing your household and your divorce, like divorce of your losing your family. Hopefully that's not needed. 
But one thing, no matter who you are, is this. The pain of being where you are, the pain of staying the same, has to eclipse, it has to become greater and more powerful than the pain that you're going to endure by instituting the discipline in your life to change the habits, to change your reality. That's why the why, you know, Simon Sinek talks about starting with why. He's not the first one, right? Like when people without vision perish, we have to know why. And when we do, we can do that. But we have to, like, either way, you're going to have pain. Ray Lewis used to talk about it, giving motivational speeches, the, the former uh, Baltimore Ravens linebacker. Love that dude. He talks about the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. And it's choose your pain. Because if you don't discipline yourself to make these changes for your own authenticity, to live the life that you know is deep down inside of you, begging you to live, the one that you want to live, if you don't do that, it is like, it is like virtually guaranteed that the older you get, the more racked with regret you will become until you're on your deathbed. If you have that opportunity to reflect, wishing that you would have done things true to yourself and not lived up to the expectations of other people. And that's straight from Bonnie Ware, the former hospice nurse of 20, 25 years who wrote the, the five regrets of the dying. That is not my information. But as a 10-year nurse, I can guarantee you regret it, it changes the way someone looks. It changes the way they perceive the world and how they treat their loved ones. They get bitter and then they get angry toward the ones that they conformed to, like I was doing. It's not their fault. So that's what I think. Man, I can feel that. <laughs> oh, God. Me too. Man. Five regrets of the dying. That's the first time I've heard of that, that literature. Yep. She, yeah. Yeah. Five regrets of the dying. I only talk about number one because it's, it's a worthy read and that alone can be a wake up call. If somebody's not at the point, you know, sometimes we're just not at the point, man. I I've been through phases and one of them was this year where I was just a little bit too comfortable in the summer, summer kicking off. I have four kids. Three of them are still in school. And when it's summertime, it's easy to hang out with them and watch movies at night, especially when you're an entrepreneur and you can call your shots a little bit and you can control your schedule because the consequences are only on me. And I mean, well, unless I make promises to other people, but outside of that, getting up in the morning, that's on me. So let's stay up and watch Marvel. Let's watch all Avengers tonight. Let's, let's watch Loki and what he's going to do to the universe and, and you know, whatever Thanos is doing and, and having extra ice cream. And then I start feeling bad emotionally because ice cream at night and sugar dumping into an emotionally upset system where PTSD is still a reality in my life. That's not good, dude. Like weeks of that and I'll fall into feeling low energy. Depression will start sneaking back in and I'm not running. I'm not working out in the garage, like doing my thing. And that happens. And it's like, okay, well, how long am I? And I tell my kids, I'm very aware of this. How long am I going to deal with this pain of not having the energy during the day? And I ended that you know, maybe a month or so ago before, well before summer ended, because I'm like, if I go to the end of summer with you guys, I don't want to be too dramatic here, but I might be hanging from a noose in my closet by September. Like I got to get out of here, man. I got to go get back to work and sweat and stop eating this crap. So no, that's real. 
I think there's there's a there's a key point there, which I which is one of the things that I battle with, you know, my business and my personal life is how much how do we balance that vision of looking forward and living in the future and really embracing and enjoying and being extremely mm. present. And I think you hit on that. It's it's you can spend the whole summer with your kids and be extremely present and and be just a hundred percent there. But you you have to find that balance between what you want to you know, build in your business, build in your personal life, help your son look forward to that, you know, the future him so that he has that measuring stick as opposed to just looking to, you know, his friends or the people around him as, you know, I want to be like that. Greg, last night I said to Gavin, he's my oldest. I said to him, he's getting, he's in the kitchen, 10 o'clock at night. I'm getting right ahead upstairs and he's meal prepping eating protein pancakes. <laughs> he's doing this because he's, he's building his body up. He's, he's bigger than me. He's not taller, but he's thick. He's getting, he's looking pretty good. And I said to him, he's expressing this or expressing that. And I'm like, look, this comes down to you're going to be 44 before you know it. Yeah. You got a lot of time. It's true. But when you get there and sooner, it feels like, Oh my gosh, where did 20 go? You're going to look at yourself this day, right now, you and me talking, 10.02 p.m. Mm -hmm. You will remember him. He won't exist anymore. It's not you today, just older. You're going to be a different person. And you're either going to look back at this kid and be proud of the moves that he made, knowing as little as he did, which you'll realize then, or you're going to look at him and shake your head and then have to do the work to recover that loss. And you can't because it, life compounds. You can do certain things, but you're, that's what you're going to do. And I can tell you, when I was 27 and a half, when, when my awakening occurred, in a period of four months, I got divorced on Valentine's Day. Three weeks later, I quit the, the, the narcotic abuse, the substance abuse completely, cold turkey. I wasn't a drinker, so I didn't deal with alcohol, but I dropped it cold turkey. I left a woman that I was living with for a year that I was talking about getting married, and then I went and talked to my wife, and, and well, the ex-wife at the time, and that story's coming out later. I can't give all those spoilers, but it's pretty powerful what happened, and it was an encounter with somebody almost like, like Chris Gardner with Will Smith and the movie pursuit of happiness on the street. It was almost like the dude with the Ferrari. What do you do? And how do I do it? It was kind of like that. And the dude gave me a challenge. And so that dude went stock market and I went personal life. And so I told Gavin, I look back at the 27 and a half year old that I did then that, or that, that I was when I made those decisions. And I'm like, man, I am so proud of that dude because he did not have the skills or wherewithal or even the support around him to make, a make the decisions that I was making or that I made back then. And I don't recommend everybody go straight up cold turkey. Everybody's got, right, I want to say that little disclaimer. Mm -hmm. I did that. It worked for me. I don't want to say talk to your doctor because I think for the most part, I don't want to even get into that. Be careful. This is my path. Again, it's a template, right? There's certain things that were done, but that's what I told Gavin. It's like the balance to answer the, the question. Finally, the balance of figuring out where we want to go and then living in these moments has to do with, we take the calling. That's the, the calling of our life is the future. It's the vision. Okay. Well, we know what we can do today that serves us or gets us closer to that 
or what takes us farther away. I don't believe there's, there's virtually nothing that is just neutral, that doesn't do one or the other. We can't maintain in life. There's no such thing. There's a, there's a going forward or there's a, there's a regression. I do not believe in maintenance. I barely believe in balance. I know the context of what you're asking. So with that, what I teach him is, dude, have the vision, have the calling. Awesome. But if you live out there, you're going to miss today because you're going to be so focused on the hustle and the grind and the two, four, seven, three, six, five t-shirts that you're going to miss the point because that knuckle dragging mentality, God bless you. If you got it, I had it for a minute until I learned better awareness for myself. That's foolish. I'll sleep when I'm dead. That's stupid. That doesn't work. Sleep is a tool. <laughs> Ask a professional athlete like Greg. He'll tell you what sleep matters, right? Like it, it's incredibly important. So what you do is you do the best with what you have, with what's in front of you in your hands right now. In, 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 you know, in my faith, we consider it as a Christian to be a good steward of mm -hmm. what you have in front of you. If I had been a good steward of my nursing career, it would have been, it would have been different. If I would have been a good steward of my second enlistment in the army, my attitude would have been better. And who knows what would have been, I wasn't looking for a career there, but who knows what opportunities and connections could have arose for post-military life, but people didn't offer those connections or those relationships because I was kind of just an idiot about my attitude. I was a pouty little kid at 30 something years old in the army at that point. It's about maximizing what's in front of you. And when you do that with enthusiasm, knowing that you can't do any better with what you have, it's like, watch how that evolves day after day, season after season. And it is almost magical. I know it's divine orchestration in my life, but it's like magic the way it comes together. And oh my gosh, all of a sudden we've been doing this for some time. That story that I told you about me back then is what, 16 years old, 17 years old? But it lasted years, and then the journey, and then now the way my wife and I live our life, I told my mother-in-law this past week who visited, I said, it's not, like I had a vision of my life that I wrote down over those years when I was learning how to, to write out your perfect day or what you want, your, I would write it out. Our life is not perfect, but it's even better than what I imagined back then because we have a lifestyle that we designed. And it's not because there's all these millions yet. It's not because there's all these millions of people of impact and influence yet. It's not because of that. It's because we're where we, we are where we belong simply by doing the best we can in ourselves, for each other, our household, and then professionally. You just, you just maximize what you have. And when you do that, keep the, the burner stove, right? The four burner stove. The vision's on the back burner. It's not off the stove. It's warm. It's happening. The back burner gets a bad rap, man. The back burner's there, dude. Like Thanksgiving, that thing's popping. But the front burners, that's today. That's right now. And when you max that out, tomorrow will handle itself. Yeah, it's 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 the simmer. You, you put certain things on simmer, and that was... That really like I, I saw a picture of that where you're you're simmering on things in the future and that's what gets it to fully cook. And some of the things on the front burner are being boiled to, you know, really heard consistently, yeah, exactly. yep. constant attention, like us doing these shows, mm -hmm. people of you know, the, the audience, somebody looking in, you're stirring your pot right now. You know, I, I had a couple notes, I wasn't sure if we were gonna get to them, not a big deal. But like one of those things is like 
your competency. It's one of the big C's that I think are super important. This is the practical everyday life stuff. You have to be competent. And what better way than to tune into a live stream that talks to entrepreneurs and side hustlers and people wanting to make an impact and connectedness by sharpening your skills with people who are no better than you who might've got an idea or two that you maybe haven't heard it in this kind of way. Like that's it. That's called iron sharpening iron. And to me, that's maximizing the moment. If you have the minute at 9 a.m. to be free to do that or watch freaking, you know, a dude perfect video, those dudes inspire me too. My kids love them. I love those guys. They're doing their thing authentic, authentic, authentically, right? But sometimes it's logging into a live stream because you can to sharpen your skills while you're going about your day to learn something new. Like it's one of the biggest secrets, secrets. It's one of the basic, biggest tactics I've used to help build me, build myself. Yep. Same here. That, that's the stuff that, you know, my soul eats up where I'm like, holy cow, that's, that's that little breakthrough I needed to push through whatever was right in front of me that was distracting me from seeing the ability to be present. And yeah. And sometimes dude, restoration is that we moved to Tampa Bay for like one of the primary reasons was so we could have an incredible ease of access to the restorative environment that my wife and I both love of the beach. Mm -hmm. Most people like the beach. Some don't, but it doesn't matter. You do your thing. I also, I love getting into the woods as much as I love the beach. The same Northern Michigan where my father-in-law lit, like he's got the thing up there. Like I love that as much as I love the salty breeze, the humidity, the sweating on the beach, going in the water, the sand in my hair, the grittiness, a day of doing either one of those for me is like, hyper restorative. I will scrap a day of work. If I'm not letting down responsibilities and commitments, I will scrap a day scrap to go to the beach with my wife or the kids on a Wednesday summertime. Right. And think of nothing, listen to music, eat, listen to some reggaeton on the beach, some sandwiches, like, like just do nothing. Maybe journal a little bit. If I feel, you know, if I feel a little frisky with doing that, let it go. I'm exhausted that night when we get home. You turn the air conditioning down. You get in pajamas. Maybe you watch a movie. Maybe you just go to bed. And then you wake up the next day and you're like, yeah, this is, that was what I needed. And now you're not falling anymore into the, the law of diminishing returns. I'm just going to work harder. Okay. How's that been going? <laughs> like, dude, sometimes take four hours and freaking go to Sky Zone and jump on the trampoline with your kid. Just go do it. Or work out for the day. Walk around your neighborhood for three hours listening to an audiobook or music. Like we underestimate the power of rest and the things that fill up the soul. It's about what works for you. Yeah, I call it the the electron charge that the beach gives. You know, Virginia yes. Beach, we have the beach right here. And it's when you're in it, you feel and it takes you maybe an hour, two hours, three hours to actually you let know. the let those thoughts not continue to take you over because we 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 have this go hard, you know, you have to work all day and, you know, you have to accomplish and that's how you get fulfillment. Yeah. But that rest period is what charges you up to be more focused. And then when you hit the ground running, you know, you're sprinting, you know, or you're, you're, you're steady jogging. So I think, you know, that, that electrical charge is huge in my life as well uh, with the beach or the mountains give you the same thing. It's nature. You know, it's, it's Good God's, nature. God's earth that yep. was created and there's something special that a lot of people i think just stay inside and you know we're looking at screens and we're you know absorbing this unnatural stuff that you know takes our body over in a you know 
in a somewhat bad way for a temporary period of time. And if you can't get away from that, it consumes you. 100%. There's a reason the beach feels so good or taking a walk bare feet in the grass feels so good. And it's because your skin is in contact with the earth and the earth has a frequency to it, which is very healing. I don't know what it is at the moment. What is it? 444, 444 megahertz or something like that. Isn't it's the earth has a healing frequency. There's a reason that radiation blasts cancer apart. It's a, it's a frequency. I like, I get, I get a little passionate about this topic because my whole life I was kind of told by other people that the idea you, you look at energy or, the idea that stones carry frequency that they can heal you like, or tree hugging, like these things are nonsense and it's foo-foo and okay, maybe so, but there's a reason people started hugging trees and it was because they were putting their body, their skin in contact with the direct root system into the ground that has a frequency that's very calming. That's very healing. And uh, that's all very real and without getting that's again, that's another whole, like I teach that kind of stuff too. And, but grounding the sand, the feet in the sand, the feet in the bare grass, like we're 10 years old again, playing on a slip and slide in the summer. Dude, it is, it is so important. It's every bit as important when people talk about ice baths and sauna and freaking whatever else. So. Yeah. It's, it's, it's cellular and yes. you know, you know, I suggest don't numb it. I've numbed it, you know, through a baseball career because, you know, they said, that's not, mm. that's not what you should do. Or an athlete said, Oh, you know, you just play. And then, you know, you can, you can go out at night and, you know, drink all night and then, you know, you wake up in the morning and do it. And that's a false thing to look up to. But when you see someone do it right, and sometimes it's you figuring out on your own, um, you know, like you mentioned, I, I want to take a few minutes and just, and speak directly to the audience on, you know, Adam wants to convey this message to the world. It's kind of that question of, you know, you, you can only leave so many things behind. Um, you know, what are those few lessons that you would depart on the audience to say, this is what Adam's learned up to this point that, you know, you want to kind of impart, depart on, you know, everybody tuning in to give them that, that clear, more aware path forward. I'm not a preacher, but I can preach. <laughs> One thing that I think is critically important, and, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say it, and people got to figure this out for themselves. I do not tell people what to believe. I will admit what I believe is the truth, or I'll say that in a, in a private conversation if people want to know. But I was hurt a handful of times in succession over a period of 15 years and watching other people get hurt and damaged by the religious environment. Well, just I'm just going to leave it right there. That aside... One of the things of my life that I, I believe causes people more heartache than they, than they understand is that when we ha have those experiences, the majority, from my experience of witnessing these things, the majority will experience some negative behavior from somebody in authoritative position related to religion or faith, church, and they will, they will turn their back and almost shake their fist at God or what, you know, the faith itself. And I want, I would encourage someone that that is a severe mistake to consider the severe error in basing, basing your spirituality or your faith choices around something that people have done. 
Because remember, people go to the bathroom every day and everybody's got a dirty butt at some point during the day or two. Like, it's just people. We're gross. We're ugly. We got all sorts of stuff. We have inadequacies no matter how awesome we become. And we're just not the model. So I, number one, I would encourage people to see where they stand spiritually. Dig in. Me personally, I say consider what Jesus said when he said, if you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be answered. How long? I don't know. How long's worth it to you to figure out who you are and where you came from? How long is it to get that level of confidence to where you think about the death of your body and it shakes you none? You actually welcome it because of where your faith goes. That depends on how much that is. So that big part, mind, body, spirit is, is, a, is like foundational in, in any of my talks, in my coaching. I don't go always into faith things and here or there, but mind, body, spirit really matters. So that being said, I think it comes down to figuring out who you are. And I tell my kids one of the biggest lessons that I, I, I parrot to them, I message to them all the time is it's weakness to react. Reacting is weak. Now, if you're a boxer, it could be savvy, right? Counterpunching. But that's not what I mean. My son, my youngest, reacts to his older brother who's a year older all the time. And I always tell him, how long are you going to keep letting him have your power? How long are you going to keep giving him your power because he looks at you and says something quietly because he knows how to not get caught? He inflames you, you scream, and you get in trouble. Or you get the one that gets in here about your emotional control. Who are you? Your power comes from your authenticity. And you're not going to truly know your authenticity until you get in touch with the reason for your birth. So when we start handling these huge things, I know these are huge ethereal things. I appreciate it. But if you got frustration or some discontentment inside, maybe it's something worth considering. Maybe it's something worth getting into and, and figuring out. These are big questions. To me, everything starts right there. I mean, we can get into more practical things. I don't know how much time we have, you know. But no, this is... I, I know I go heavy. It's, it's, it's kind of a feature. I think it's how I counterbalance it with the the personality that I normally am and pretty wild. And like I told you, I have irreverent humor. If I, for the most part, I don't, you know, you're not going to see me on Sunday morning giving a sermon because I'm probably going to offend half the people just because it's, I'm saying something they think is sacrilegious or, you know, if I, anyway. <laughs> I, no, I love, I love the layers. This is the stuff that, you know, I strive for is surrounding myself with people that get to those layers because that's where the, the hard work happens. And you, yeah. you just hit the nail on the head is it's not easy to just say, who am I? And then it, it comes to you. It's, it's you know, the there's grinding to find, to find it and trying different things. And yes, yeah, there was a model that I found early in my days of, of getting myself back together, trying to get my life right. And this was coming out of the drugs and moving back in, trying to regain my family, which ultimately worked. And then we had two more kids after, but that process of getting myself back together, my mentor gave me this model and it had to do with three areas of helping my, and this is really noteworthy. There was three main areas and they were character, task, and relationships. 
So the character is simply who you are. Who are you? What do you stand for? Do you believe in win-win philosophies or do you believe in get one over philosophies? Like, do you want to walk away from a deal having someone feeling great what they bought from you and you feel good about the sale? Or do you want to make sure you get the most money squeezed, the most juice squeezed out of that lemon and then let somebody else go away feeling beat up? Like, who are you, right? This is more sales related and I know that, but it's also business related. So like, who are you? And that's a big deal. And for me, my character wasn't right, obviously at that time. And then he gave me a systematic way to improve my character through moments of increasing awareness. And that, that's something I also teach in there. Task. How are you at doing tasks? Are you lazy? Do you get to it? That was a big one for me because, again, I was a little bit more free-spirited and I didn't want to just go do the work. Isn't the intention of I'm a good person? Isn't the intention of my heart and my dreams enough for me to sit on the couch, hang out with my kids, and then let the dream manifest into my life and, oh, there are, there's all this impact now? Nope, we got to do some work, and that's really important. And then relationships, and that was, for me, the biggest area of opportunity to grow back then, which just is a really nice way of saying how bad I sucked at relationships back then. And it started with keeping my word to myself. If I'm going to get up and go to the gym, I got to get up and go to the gym. If I'm going to save money, I got to save money. Then my wife, like if I got this going on, am I doing what, am I, am I where I told her I was going to be? Is the, are the emails and the phone numbers she have, are those the only ones that I have? And it got to a point I had to delete secret things. And that notched up my relationship score and my integrity, right? For my character. Those three things are a massive, massively effectual place to begin when trying to get to our own authenticity, whether or not we're ethical already or character driven or not. Like that's, they changed my life. Do you put a scoring system behind it? I know we're all kind of game. It has a scoring mind, system. But, yes. Yep. It has a scoring system yeah. and it's zero to 10. Yeah. And by the way, there's only been one 10 in, in, in the history of the planet and they nailed him and murdered him on a, on a cross, <laughs> on a wooden tree, right? They, they murdered him. So there's no, but don't expect 10, 10 is the striving, but the, the striving is maximize today. When there's a business deal to do, if you're in door-to-door -door sales, like I've done too, and, and you're pitching a product, an opportunity to grow in your character is to say, is the deal you're offering them at the door, all these freaking solar people these days everywhere. Mm -hmm. If, if you're solar, are you offering me the truth that you would offer to your mother, your father? yourself is this the best deal for me even though i'm a stranger if it's not you have room to grow in that character in that moment so that's an example of maximizing what's in front of you right here and now did you did they give you a little bit too much change if you paid cash somewhere and then you realized it walking away did you take the freaking money back mm -hmm. you know that's that like little things but yeah and then you can notch your scores up my relationship score might have been a zero or a 0.5 when i started and uh, it ain't there anymore. But it's not 810 either. <laughs> so you can ask my wife about that. Yeah. Man, I'm, I'm extremely glad to know you and, and to have this interaction. Um, you know, it's, it's extremely impactful for me. I know it's going to be impactful for many others. I have one final question sure. that we'll kind of wrap the show up with. But, you know, where can folks find you? Where's the best place to connect with Adam and, and continue this path, you know, this process you know, forward? You know, with your platform. So I'm going to give a two-part answer rather than giving one best location. And that would be, 
I want, it's a double sided thing, right? So I, I want anybody who I, I prayed before this and, and I took some deep breaths and concentrated on my intention that what I brought here would blessfully impact the people that the message would line up for the timing in their life. If they came on, I'm not a big person of saying, if it just helps one person, I, I'm not a big fan of that phrase because we want to make big impact. If there's only one person or there's 10 or whatever, it doesn't matter. But for the people who did, who could get that impact, the timing lines up for them. I want them to go to seven pillars, the number seven, seven pillars dot revolutionary freedom dot com. I want them to give me their email. I want them to get this 18 page hundred or dozens and dozens of hours, hundreds of dollars invested into this product for them for free and get the overview of basically these, this material that we've talked about today. And then they'll be on the list. They don't get marketed hard, a handful of emails a month. And most of it has to do with personal development, worry, family oriented stuff. They don't have to have families. They can be a single parent. They can be an aunt or uncle who, who knows kids. If you don't hate people with kids, like, you know, it's like there's benefit there. So do that. And then the second part would simply be, they can go to, revolutionaryfreedom.com and that's the landing page of the website where I talk about the kind of transformation I offer as a coach they can get the feel they can get testimonials they can do all sorts of things there's leading into the YouTube channel with the content there and there's the the same podcast revolutionary freedom podcast I know that I gave you a handful of resources sevenpillars.revolutionaryfreedom.com and then the same main URL if they want to check out the coaching aspect the, all these areas lead to the YouTube channel and the podcast and the email list stuff will be in there. And you know, that's it. I'm trying to give the same sort of pieces of awareness that, uh, that I've gained over my life that have my wife and I, with our four kids, 11 to 20, my wife and I celebrated 26 years together this past summer, this June 21st, we were 18 and 16. We've been divorced. I almost died from drugs. She forgave me. We've done things together. People wonder how she's a personal trainer now and holistic nutritionist. And this is what we do with our life. What you see here is exactly the way you and I would talk if we were in the back having a drink together at the spa in the, in the pool. Okay. It's the same. So that's how, what I hope people feel. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely connect to that. I'm Adam. I just want to, you know, acknowledge you for bringing your frequency in such a tangible way for people to, to really feel and accept because you know, like, I, like we talked about, you know, it gets, it gets drowned out internally and to be it's able to, to connect happen. to the energy, the frequency, I think so important for people. And until they feel that it's hard to have that freedom, that revolution in your own life. So I just want to acknowledge you for that. One of I the final questions we like to wrap the show up with is, and it, it's kind of a loaded question, um, but what does being connected mean to you? in your life today? Being connected to me means that first and foremost, we understand two things. It's a two-part thing. We understand. I'm trying to keep this brief for you, brother. <laughs> the idea that you are enough is incomplete because I believe we need to understand our own inadequacy without beating ourselves up, 
This is not an opportunity to make ourselves feel even worse. We're all dealing with insecurities. Yours truly, personally, to, you know, as well. But when we know that we're inadequate in areas, we start getting a proper view of ourselves, which means we need others to fill in the gaps. If I was adequate in all these ways, I wouldn't need my wife. My Bible says that man was alone and it wasn't good. He needed a helper. Whether you believe that or not is irrelevant. Think about what I'm saying as a practical aspect and the pragmatism that that plays in your life. I'm really good at a couple things. Most things I'm inadequate. I need you. Greg, like you have a different offering than what I have. And I need you in my network to refer people to that don't quite fit my brand or my flavor. Maybe I'm a little bit too much for them or whatever it is. Maybe they were a baseball player. They're not going to connect to the nurse. That's one part. But the other part is our overwhelming superpowers that we were endowed with supernaturally at our birth. We all have gifts that no one else can replace. Inadequate on one side, completely necessary and, and needed to express our gifts on the other. When we learn that and put ourselves in a proper frame of mind, to me, that when you master that, I don't know if I'll ever master it in this body. I doubt it. I told my son last night, if you ever get annoyed, that's arrogance. <laughs> I'm like, so whether or not we get there, I don't know, but I know that I'm needed and I know that I'm not enough. And so, but together we form a whole and we're unstoppable. We're unstoppable when that happens. There's no need to feel bad about any of it. And there's no need to overinflate our own view of ourselves either. Got to do it together. Adam, thanks so, much for be, thanks so much for being who you are. And everybody go connect with Adam. Continue, oh, your, continue your process. Do you mind? I'm sorry. Thank you. Do you mind if I... This is a little yeah, plug that I probably should have mentioned. Yeah. If this is landing on anybody, I want to offer, I opened up two complimentary coaching calls this month. It's adamkasix.com. Adamkasix.com. K-A-S-I-X. They can go there. That's literally my, my calendly scheduler. I have two open. If they go in there, they can get a time available. We'll hang out. There's no time limit. You know, if you're taking all my day, I'm going to shut you off real, real smoothly. No, we'll, we'll, but that's it. No pressure. That's not a sales call. I'll give you what I got. We'll see where you're at. I'll give you what I know. And if, if you like what you see there, then maybe we can talk about working together in the future. That's it. I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. I love it. I appreciate you. Thanks so much, Adam. All right, brother. Bye, Greg.